0: Hi guys, this is David Negrin, host of The Script Podcast and executive director of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I'm excited to announce that we've created a Patreon campaign for The Script. Patreon is like a Kickstarter, but it allows you to give ongoing pledges every month and receive ongoing rewards. Of course, The Script Podcast will continue to be free, but we're just asking for a little help. We release four or five podcasts a month, but we'd like to do more. We'd also like to improve our audio quality and release video podcasts with rich content. So here's how you can help become a patron of the script podcast and gain access to our VIP activity feed with premium content. There you'll be able to communicate privately with myself and my co-hosts after every podcast. You can get a packet of original screenwriting guides written exclusively for members of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. You can receive our monthly tracking board preview podcast for Hollywood insider updates on big script sales and the hottest spec screenplays to hit the market. You can get access to full on-demand video of NYC Screenwriters Collective events, lectures, and panel discussions. At the highest patron levels, you can even request the film or TV series we analyze and come on The Script yourself to analyze it. So please, check out all our rewards, join our inner circle. Become a patron of The Script Podcast at patreon.com slash the script.
1: I heard you've been spending a lot of time at your auntie house. How's the cash life? Yeah, my woman and my baby living there is hard, man. But you know, everybody can't do what you do. Really what I do getting played out, Dre. Right? Where the money at? So why you gotta be so ruthless, Cuz? I'll make a few changes. Where you think you're going? I'm just trying to get home. Well,
0: that's my son! You saying. need to get back in the house or well, I will ruin your well, night. I gotta talk to my moms like that! If
1: you had the chance to change the situation, would you take it? Just hit that first beat hard, Are right, You cruising down the street. All right. Cruising down the street in my six foot. Hey, that was dope, dude.
0: This is The Script, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I'm David Negret, and with me tonight are Christina leith Malin, Alka Kushalani, and Keith Miller. We're doing straight out of Compton, F. Gary Gray, the N.W.A. biopic. A lot of of different angles to talk about tonight. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, The the artists are F. Gary Gray, we know uh, as director from Law Abiding Citizen, the Italian job. In the 90s, he did Set It Off, The Negotiator. He's absolutely responsible for the first Friday a screenplay uh, with Ice Cube, right? Um, he also, F. Gary Gray, also directed uh, Murder Was the Case, a short 18-minute film with Snoop Dogg uh, in 95 when the single was released. Um, and I know that he has a background in music videos, so it's possible... Uh, did he direct some of um, Dre's or... or um, Easy's or or Ice Cube's videos. Yeah, About I believe. Did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, screenwriting credits going to Jonathan Herman and Adria, Andrea Andrea Burloff. These uh, somewhat sort of unheard of screenwriters. Not a lot of credits either of them. Um. So. What did you guys think? Well, this
2: what, wasn't a narrative though, so that makes sense. It, I mean, it was a loose narrative slash docu, so it wasn't like they were reaching for the story; they were shaping. Right. The story it was, it more was so.
0: chronicle, right? Yeah. But that's also, I think, we should talk about that tonight. When you're doing, when you're writing a feature film, when you're doing the biopic, you know how much narrative is important and how much chronicling is important and how to balance the two. Um, I think we're tonight. You know, we're start up with our basic sort of three up, three down. What did you like? What did you not like about the film? And then we'll bust into the Blake Snyder beat sheet. Does that sound good, guys? Yep,
3: sounds good. Arts. Yeah, awesome. Just do A- it.
0: Any volunteers who wants to go first? Come crickets. on, <laughs> crickets. All right, I'll go first. <laughs> I, I, all right, David goes saves, <laughs> saves the day as usual. So. Um, I listened to N.W.A. when they first came out. I was a kid in New York City. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Their first two albums, I listened to them. I also listened to um, Ghetto Boys. I also listened to uh, a lot of the late 80s and the early 90s hip-hop. So I've been a hip-hop fan my whole life, so I know the music pretty well. Um, In fact, the later stuff, like The Chronic, that... um, And uh, Snoop's work uh, was some of the stuff I listened to in high school. So that was like the height of my adolescence. Um, But I've been a fan of hip-hop for a long time. So I was really looking forward to this. I think the filmmakers did a great job of chronicling N.W.A., not necessarily the, the solo careers of the members later on, but of the early creation of the group um i think particularly i was really impressed with the center centering the story on Eze, e because he is you know sort of in, in as far as the the public record goes he was always sort of demonized and he was the bad guy in the entire nwa situation and i think this film made him out to be more of an anti-hero uh, so that was I was not expecting that. So I thought that was an original perspective. I like the music in the film, um, the choices of the songs they use. I mean, they're also the classic NWA songs, even though they didn't re-perform them. I think uh, they they just used the regular tracks. On the on the, the downside. downside <clears throat> I think it was a fairly standard kind of chronicling of the their story and I found in a lot of places that the stakes weren't very high I found really early on the sort of their rise to fame they didn't have a lot of trouble it, this wasn't you know a lot of movies I was thinking of during this were um, I was thinking a lot about hustle and flow um, which is about a fictional hip hop uh, artist, yeah. Craig Brewer. Yeah. And so yeah. I was thinking a lot about Hustle and Flow and, you know, how hard. I thought you were
2: going to say Eight Mile.
0: Oh, Eight <laughs> Mile came up a bit. But yeah, I mean, leave it to the Detroit girl to bring up Eight Mile.
2: All right. I'm just saying. It's about someone, <laughs> it's about a story, a semi documentary. Yeah. Hustle and Flow. It's hard, it's hard out here for a pimp. I'm, whatever.
0: <laughs> please nwa it was did way worse than today so like i i thought that they they didn't have a lot of obstacles they didn't really dramatize the obstacles of getting to their success it really seemed to happen really easily it was almost like you know they had no problem g- getting that Where's first album damn. i i didn't feel it as much i didn't feel it as much and I think also one thing they left out of the documentary, which again, it, it wasn't a documentary, out of the film, out of the biopic. Yeah, yeah. Yep. one of the things they they left out was, and this is also takes me to hustle and flow, was Dr. Dre's impact, his musical impact as a producer was really downplayed in this movie. And, and he's one of the reasons of the success of their music and all of their subsequent albums they you know dr dre and his contemporaries were the people who took it from just rapping on beats to rapping on melodies and harmonies and yeah sampling followed after that but i think his effect as a musical producer was sort of just sort of like really like uh, they just hovered over it for a bit you know he's on the keyboard every now and then you know putting together a melody but that was a huge impact um although i did like how they highlighted uh how the the lyric writing which was the first album by a cube and then later by mc Ren and um doc was part of the success i think they 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 missed out on why why there was the music was a success that's me those are my three up three down who's next
2: just because you have a history of loving it, I'm going to be, like, not calling bullshit on, on your comments, but... Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think... Dropping totally, it right there. I have to... I, well, here's the thing. Um, I was, like, 100% this movie, I've and I've never liked N.W.A. Not at all. Um, simply because I came from a church-going family that thought they were everything wrong with black representation of youth in music. I came from an Al Green family, from a a Wynan family, a family that that rap, gangster rap especially, had no place in our dialogue. So what I felt my three up was that it it turned out a story about youth and success and how that rides really hard. Uh, It turned out a subplot of Us seeing every twenty years, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter during the Watts in the sixty eight. Black Lives Matter during Rodney King. Black Lives Matters now. It's an iteration of it that didn't smack me in the face, but made it very clear that it never goes away. Uh, And I liked it because uh, it could have been so over the top, but I think they didn't play it that way. I think it was smart because it, it wasn't an Eight Mile, and I'm I hated Eight Mile because. Like Some of the things, like even Enjoy, which is a restaurant I know from 8 Mile, a white blonde hair rapper didn't make that place popular. It was a bunch of black people, so it's like they overhyped things in 8 Mile. Of course, the <clears> one <throat> kid with dreads has dreads straight out of Party City. There's so many problems I have with 8 Mile that they took a much subtler attempt in this movie, and they did it right. So well, they, because that, it was a biopic, probably-
0: and 8 Mile was pseudo-biographical, and Hustle and & Flow was totally fictional. So they were going exactly. for real. Yeah.
2: Those are my three ups, and I think those and, are and,
0: super important three and, ups,
2: and that made a, a not like non-liker of NWA appreciate them and champion them for, for stuff I didn't know. Um go ahead, you were gonna say something, Dave?
0: Uh, I was just gonna say and that Dave? that the controversies have been well well uh documented by uh both East Coast and West Coast <laughs> radio personalities. <laughs> Like anyone from high 97 and the. If, you, 90s. if
2: anybody on this panel or anybody listening has not been to a Black Lives Matter and hadn't seen a Rodney King poster, raise your hand first.
1: Yeah.
2: People, our generation right now is using that as a cornerstone. The kids who don't remember '68 are using Rodney King as their as their as their starting or jumping off point. So this is important because of that, and it takes you through it very carefully. It shows you kind of the police brutality, which was always there. I I think it's stunning. A problem, I'm only going to do one down. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have more than enough time to structurally break this down for things that are not, I wouldn't say bad, but could be stronger. But my only one down came today, and it came quite randomly. I was li- listening or reading a cycle feminist and the saddest thing that just popped in my head when they, the, with the article is, Straight out of Compton does nothing for females. And if you notice how they kind of snuck in Tupac, they snuck in Snoop, they snuck in Warren G., but name one female rapper, and there were female right. rappers. they didn't
0: sneak, and sneak and they, in they Queen, not even, Queen Latifah or... Um,
2: Queen, Kim... Uh, I mean, proxy, none although was that was in.
0: all that all, in the in defense, that's all East Coast. Who are West Coast women? I can't even think of any.
2: There have to be. And now I feel remiss. I don't know that, but still to that, it wasn't all about women. I mean, it wasn't all about, uh, there have it, to have been. It? Well,
3: well ever... Eze, uh produced JJ Fad, if anyone remembers them.
0: Ah, Supersonic. There we go. Yeah. Ah, not bad. Uh,
2: Mm-hmm. that's my, my my three up one down someone else can jump in I mean,
3: well I I'm think I'm gonna have one know, you, my can, homies now. you can definitely say this film is straight out of feminism you know <laughs> I mean it is uh you know it's appalling uh the portrayal of women I think it's yeah. you know it's a bigger discussion but in order to move forward, I'm going to quote Ava DuVernay, who said that to be a woman who loves hip hop at times is to be in love with your abuser. So um, let's just say that. Uh, go forward. <laughs> um, I think. I think she just like dropped the
2: mic with that. Oh, not yeah. bad. Not oh,
3: bad. Yeah, yeah. I that, think it's they, like, incredibly I'll, well said. I'll and,
0: continue. I'll just. Go, I was just going to say. Yeah. I mean, just it was really sort of every once in a while there's a scene with these. Um, these rap stars and their wives and we're supposed to take those scenes seriously. I could, oh, yeah. I, I thought they were pretty laughable.
3: Oh, they were hilarious. They yeah. were so, I yeah. mean, if it wasn't so funny, I mean, you'd cry. They were so Like bad. their
0: wives were Michelle Obama, who you're like getting counsel from on your, uh, <laughs> on your, on your, um, on your... Friday? Your contract, yeah. Yeah,
3: but she's going to smoke a joint first, so... Mm-hmm. Hold on, mm. hold on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll read the well, contracts yeah, for you. Business deals. Exactly. Back in yeah. the set. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: okay, so yeah. I'm going to do my uh, three-up. I think uh, my overarching, before I get to that, but the overarching is there's, like, the first half of this film, and then there's the second half, you know? And I think the first half is absolutely thrilling and exuberant and has great momentum and it's just I I mean it's probably the most exciting thing I've seen all year but then there's the second half you know which I feel degenerates like a lot of biopics do into like this happened and then this happened and then you're like am I watching Forrest Gump you know so I think I think that is the overarching thing for me and I think um We have to talk about these performances. I think the guy who played Easy E, the you know Ice Cube's kid, Mm -hmm. I I think these were stellar performances.
2: Absolutely, they were really spot on in my heart. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Oh, but then you know, and I'll mix it up with the down. But Dre bugged me. I mean, really, like I, I just felt he did not embody uh, that character, or maybe he was too slight. I couldn't put a finger on it but that
0: bothered me because yes it, he's supposed no, to be chubbier was Dre was always chubbier yes. he <laughs> oh, needed the more, more space size. He was...
2: but the thing was he was always smart and he was always reserved and he was always like behind the scenes let's just say to some extent so I didn't have a problem with him being played that way if anything you know, like I was more annoyed by Suge Knight's character so I was like how over the top can you be right down to like yeah dog fighting in the office. Were... I was like,
3: yeah, you were looking for dimension there, and there was, like, none coming. You know, yeah,
0: he's sure, just, sure, I'm sure just evil, yeah.
3: dressed like the mm-hmm. devil, red head to toe, I mean, it the, was The, just, pro- like, the
0: problem oh, is that I, I, you've wait, wait, wait. seen I mean, you guys Wait, wait, you are we you've forgetting
1: seen... that Such Knight is a Bond villain?
0: Yeah, he is a Bond villain. He is a ridiculous... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but honestly... On, he's
2: on little mini chihuahuas. I mean, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> He's got an eyepiece, okay. right? Yeah, he's got an eyepiece and a cigar. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure
2: yeah. he doesn't run over you, even if you are his crew. Okay. But,
0: se- yeah, watch out That's if he's driving. But, I mean, seriously. This is the
1: guy who, as legend has it, right? Like, had a conversation with Vanilla Ice with him dangling off the side of, of like, a hotel, right? Right. You're going to sign over the rights to your song back to. You, you know, the original producer. Yeah. So, I, I think the... But, you know, I think my, the character actor played him right. My problem that with Suge
0: Knight's act, the performance, was that I've seen Suge Knight, you know, footage. I've seen interviews with him. That man is serious. Yeah. He's He's got gravitas. He is... And, and this actor just didn't pull it off. He was kind no. of a sillier version no. of that. That the real man is a dangerous individual and you feel it in his gaze and in his words, so... Right,
3: right. Um, and I I mean, going back to... This guy to- was good, but I,
2: I feel like it, you're you're saying he wasn't Al Pacino enough. Yeah, yeah. He but, wasn't bad, but it was still like... And correct me if I'm wrong, was he really, in real life, was this Suge Knight really that over-the-top dangerous?
0: Absolutely.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: he for was, sure. He He was... Ruthless. You know. oh, there was this yeah.
3: documentary about um, it's possible Tupac. Remember yeah, it's this? It's possible yeah. he had a hand
0: in Tupac. Really? It's possible he had a hand in Biggie. Like, yeah. like so.
1: Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. I, mean, I mean, actually, wasn't Drake quoted as saying that, you know what? Um, I left Death Row Records, I, and while I didn't have any money, I left with my masters in my life
0: yeah that's right. right
1: so that's to let you know the kind of guy the kind of type of character that so was
0: but you know what uh, let's not jump ahead because that's our finale for this sh- for the movie and i want to talk about that so uh alka why don't you finish up
3: yeah so i think you know this film is best when it tells the story visually like one of the um most beautiful moments happens right up the front where you see uh ice cube in this bus and he's looking at these girls and this BMW, who are listening to Tears for Fears, and it is like full of this longing and this dream and this, you know, the juxtaposition of what he's writing. I mean, it tells us so much about this character and where he is and where the world is, you know, and shows him like behind glass, kind of um, being Ice Cube, you know, in a nascent phase. I just loved that moment.
0: And that and that was that was. Uh an allusion to to the busing, the Los Angeles, like California yeah. busing, right? Yes, there was Absolutely. so
3: much in that one. And
0: they didn't heavy hand it. They didn't have like a scene with the white kids oh. having money, and they didn't have a scene and the, and the black kids not having money. They, it was very subtle. It was well yeah. done.
3: Yeah, I loved when it did when that the film did stuff like that. And then, um, you know, a moment that I thought probably one of the best scenes in the movie and. You know, I think it's so significant where it is, and we'll get to that too. But the scene where um, Ice Cube again, like, approaches—you know—he refuses to sign this contract with Jerry. This is like Godfather scene.
2: Yeah.
3: It's dimly lit, and Ice Cube is like reaching for that check, and he walks away. And I just thought it was so powerful, and it was just um, really well done.
0: That was a that was a piece of. The mythology I didn't know about um and I didn't know that that Cube left um because they were screwing him and I just knew he wasn't on the second album and this is amazing that we're doing a biopic about a a group that had two albums essentially one and a half albums if you because Cube wasn't on the second one
3: right yeah and um I also I'm gonna give you one more because it's so good was I loved the line that they drew from their life uh, to their work or art. I love that whole scene with like the uh, uh, FBI letter and how it builds to this show in Detroit and how they decide to perform this song anyway and how chaos ensues. I mean, I just think it just hits those beats so beautifully that like kind of wrapped up in a nutshell like this is who they were this was what the activism was about and this is why it was real you know i mean i loved it i loved that yeah. uh, i
0: think the movie is at its best in the fuck the police chapters
1: absolutely yes. yeah yeah
3: yeah yeah and and uh the down is i think you know like a lot of biopics it just kind of gets really sentimental and i think it may be because uh, did you all not like that
2: were you not surprised at that angle on a gangster rap biopic?
3: <laughs> I thought it was like so real. <laughs> I was, I, I, like, I why I am thought... I
2: pulling out Kleenex at niggers with an attitude? But so, I was. Uh,
3: I did not pull a single tissue out. I'm sorry. Really? <laughs> was, yeah. There was nothing. I, I felt like it, it really, it just became maudlin. You know, it was like these guys. I think because they you know they have producer credit so i think they ironed out a lot of what came after you know uh a lot of that the the breakdown you know it it they played it so safe they have one
0: scene where they all get into a fist fight right um and they and they do and they have a scene about the diss tracks going back and forth but the breakdown of the group is always more interesting
3: yeah, yeah, and they didn't go there.
0: There's great documentaries about Wilco breaking down and U2 breaking down and, like, the Eagles breaking down. Like, watching those legendary groups fall apart. Or I mean, and, of course, like, the Beatles are famous for breaking up. Like, that's interesting stuff. And it, it well, I don't know that, yeah, I, I'll agree, Alka didn't get portrayed as dramatically as I would have liked. Yeah,
3: Yeah, and I think, you know... Uh, it becomes very much like the chronicle of this happened, then yeah. this happened. Yeah. You know, and I really felt like, for what it was until that midpoint, you know, I think it really copped out. the The second half just kind of, just you know, just deflated like a balloon. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Is that is that it for your down? That's it. That's okay, it. Okay, great. Me. Keith.
1: All right. Three so up, three
0: down. What you got?
1: All right. Here's what I got. I'm going to say this though um i also mentioned something in regards to like that 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 one scene that kind of builds up to um you know the concert where in philly where like fuck the police right and then all hell breaks loose and everyone scrambles and and the cops are after them and they get caught and they're and you know they're in cups and are thrown in the back of the van and like it's an incredibly tense scene you're yeah. on the edge of your seat mm-hmm. and then what happens they start to laugh in the back of the vent, right? <laughs> and and then I, for me, that was like a sense of like, we forget that they were just young boys. Ah. in in you, you know, sort of like in that position. It, I mean, you know, they weren't mature. Um yeah, it all right, gave so me goosebumps. Go, I mean,
0: that's goosebumps, Keith. Man, that's true, man. They were right, so, so young.
1: Right. All right, so here's yeah. where I'm going to go and, you know, forgive me because maybe this is how I see the world. Um, all right, here's what I really liked about it, right? My, my three ups. So first of all, um, you know, like the opening scenes establishing the characters, it was like, you know, it was like the perfect origin story, right? You've got, um, you know, sort of like the, the introduction of uh, Eric, you know, of Eric Wright, who's kind of like in the middle of a drug, uh, of like a drug deal gone wrong. Right, so you know, yeah. and he's got
0: know, he's got steel in his veins.
1: Absolutely, and you know we've already we've already you know, we've already covered O'Shea Ice Cube, right? But then we got Dre, who's kind of um, portrayed as you know a, a bit of a a dreamer, right? Like when we come in on him, he's just kind of like yeah. you know he's okay. he's like laid back and and all like the music, the, the um. The records, right? The vinyls about him, and he's just like deep in the music. And you know, and he's listening to a track, and I can't remember offhand. And it was what I, I think really it was loved about him. Yeah, he's living in track. It's seventies.
0: It's 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 R and B. Yeah, and that's and that is actually that is the key to, to Dre's musical genius was his grounding in the R and B of the seventies and the the funk music of, of the sixties and seventies. Yeah.
1: All of these Easter yep. eggs throughout the film mm-hmm. that kind of um, hint at their influences and the use of their influences down the road. So, like you know the group, you know the players, you know what they have gone on to do. Like you recognize, oh, that's where he got the sample,
0: right? Slow down, sweet cherry, yes. stuff. Right? yeah. So, me you know, ride. yeah, definitely. And they I don't, know. and they don't, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> hammer it. They didn't over right, it. You was, in the head. It was subtle. Yes.
1: Yeah, you, you know, I there love was a, that. There's a subtlety to it. you know. Um, it, it's kind of like, and I'm going to go ahead and blame you, David, because it just like <laughs> occurred to me as you were talking. I'm like, wait, holy crap. <laughs> um, this, sure, I would well, not David. be surprised if this film didn't have the same structure of, yes, I'm going there, the five heartbeats. Oh, no oh even down to oh. even down to <laughs> great, like great that reference. one pivotal scene where um dresser discovers like you know he's pregnant what is he gonna do and they are in the train yard and they're all like we're oh. together with are gonna and they take give care of they give him the money yeah oh right?
0: man you're right, right. you're right, right.
1: Mm-hmm. You, you know so like you had that like immediate dramatic opening with like eddie kane running that you, you know in in the card game juxtaposed with um you know easy e and his drug deal so and you know that, like that that set uh-huh. piece
0: where eddie kane saves the day when they right, with his voice
1: right? yeah
0: and when they do hard as a house for love right and yeah. that's, I mean, that's yeah. just like the yeah. fuck the police set piece where exactly. they're like we doing this we're doing this all right um <laughs> wow that you that's genius genius reference okay
1: so, it's like, okay, so you, you know, you got that kind of setup. They're like the Fantastic Four, but, you know, they got DJ Yellow, who, you know, we didn't get to see much of, and, and mm-hmm. Ren. They I still don't know what his influence up. was. He just
0: had some good uh, punchlines.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, it. I'm not going to go over it. To, go over it. I'm not going to beat it in the head. You know, we discussed the... Do uh, it.
2: Beat it. Beat it.
1: <laughs> All right, so... There, there is sort of, um, you know, building on, or if not building, just creating this platform that kind of gives um, context to the Black Lives Movement, right? Um, a lot of those scenes, um, you know, dealing with the, you know, sort of the interaction with LAPD were, you know, very visceral it's in, in terms of, like, sort of, like, sitting there and then, like, kind of watching this kind of, like, happen, right? It, it's more, it, it took me as sort of, like, a viewer and, you know, to be clear, African-American male who's kind of dealt with that shit um, as more, of a, more than just a, a, a passive observer. It, I mean, it was really sort of frustrating to have to, to kind of watch, watch those scenes and kind of what comes out of it. And and in the sense of, like, here you have these, like, five strong young men, all boys um, in front of the studio, being confronted by doing absolutely nothing because of the bodies in which they, the skin in which they embody, their, their, their personhood. And who should come and speak on their behalf? But <laughs> the other nemesis, right? This, you know, the guy who's kind of like the, you know, Jerry Heller, right? He's the spokesman. And but okay. for the fact that Jerry Heller was there, they would not have, you know, they would have been in the squad car and we probably wouldn't have, you know, fucked the police. So, I mean, that was, yeah. look, that was What risk. did you
3: think always, of that scene with the, uh, with the black cop?
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I, I mean, you, you know, it was like, um, was a line? It's he, really the de- oh, black. Ahead. Sorry, you know, black showing out for the white cop, right? Right. In song. Right. Yep. And so I mean, you you know, it was it it had to be brutal. And the, you know, the scene again where um, O'Shea Jackson's parents are sort of looking on, like, "Hey, that's my son. He just walked out of the house," mm-hmm. and they just the the abject bile and disgust and they had to set it
0: up that's just, just that's just good screenwriting is you set it up earlier and then you it brings it back again when they're at the studio otherwise it would be you wouldn't believe that he'd go into the studio right then and write this track but you, you know, know in a weird way we
2: should beat black lives matter uh, to, be a dead horse because it's not a dead horse. And had we had this podcast or this movie come out about ten years earlier, we wouldn't have had the the, the framework of Black Lives Matter to even discuss this. It would have been just like, Yeah, but it's police brutality Yeah, but they're kind of aggressive. Yeah about their lyrics. Well, because it but would have still come- been
3: post Rodney King. It would have still ten years ago it was still Exactly. Post- it would have it, it was, we didn't
2: really have any uh, any terminology for that. We didn't have. There wasn't a big movement for it. It just seemed like you know another black person that gets hurt. But we didn't have kind of a
0: framework for it.
1: I think what you the, said. The reason I mean, why think, you didn't have the framework for it because you know you didn't you you didn't you didn't have documented evidence of it. Right? There was. I, there, I there think was, smartphones have changed this well, game. I, no, completely. no, no. Absolutely, Christina. No doubt. But like in that period, you didn't know, like nine. 19- 1988, right? Mid to late 80s, right? Yes. Um, yep. It wasn't there. And all you had, all you had was like the African American voice, which unfortunately is always downplayed, especially in regards to or against, to, you know, law enforcement. In fact, folks, <laughs> I mean, to this day, you. Anyone I'm amazed. Like Eric Gardner last year, last summer, this man is being choked out. Like and it's there, it's documented, right there in your. It, face. it could have been a
2: white guy, but the point is we had video proof of it. How right, many? Not, how many other cases happened just like this? But there was no video. There was no nothing. But no then, and payment. then, what? and I
0: and I think about Fruitvale Station. Fruitvale Absolutely. Station brought it. I think really dramatized the situation. And I think Christina, you said it best when you said. If we were talking about 10 years ago, it would be referred to as police brutality. Police brutality s- makes it sound like there's no racial component. It makes it sound like, oh, it's just people in a position of power abusing it, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. that's the difference today, that we're able to separate that out.
3: Yeah, but, you know, the other part of this is that, you know, there's the, this, the thread of their activism, you know the struggle is real that it we begin in LA with the helicopters and the sirens and the chaos and i feel like they lose that thread over the course of this film you know by the well, time we get thing- to the LA riots you know they are like observers they're no longer participants yeah well they're older now yeah. yeah i mean like you see them like you see dre driving through the streets Right. You see Cube uh, driving through and uh, or he's watching it on television. Sorry. You know, it's it's with this distance. And I feel like this is what happened with this film. But it's, too. But it's, it's not. But the it's not. No, wait, I mean, not. here's let I me feel like to
1: my, let, speak let, me, to second, let me get back to my point. The point being, being a black male like, and No, no. The point being in terms of like Gardner, the reason why I brought, a, brought his particular um Situation. up. Oh. It's the fact that, like here, you have documented evidence before your eyes, and you have a large part of the population that is not seeing murder. They're not seeing homicide. They're not seeing, you know, their fellow man being mistreated or murdered before their eyes, right? And that's the cameras are there. Um, you didn't have that in the '80s, right? You just had you just had the word of, um, you know, the law. LAPD and what was right, Daryl yeah. G- Gates. Right. So you, you know. had the
3: anxiety. You had you, what was like what they were showing in all those news clips was like white anxiety. That's what you were dealing with in the
0: '80s. Totally agree. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you just remind me of the Henry Henry Louis Gates scenario, right? Oh,
3: right, right, right. Yep. yep.
0: yep. Where they arrest the Harvard professor at his house. Things like that, bringing out the idea of the difference between police brutality and the racial component to the to uh, that's the basis for black lives matter movement i think you know for this film for straight out Compton they had a role in it and i'm i'm glad that they didn't overemphasize it they didn't make it yeah they didn't try to embellish it um but i think it's 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 it was present in this film, to the degree that was relevant to the story. I know that F. Gary Gray was a a news uh, uh, cameraman during the L.A. riots, and he he oh, went down he? to shoot them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Early early young man, he, and he went down and he shoot them, and he shot the L.A. riots. And so the Rodney King and the LA riots was important to him but also you couldn't overstate it right so because like you said these guys were older at this point and but, but that said, that underscores what you were saying Christina is that it's just a generational thing it has not gone away
2: I think we see these points and like Keith brought up a great point about Eric Gardner we see these points now we can like analyze it analyze, but in the moment you're looking at artists that literally they're dealing with their medium. It isn't like we see, you know, 10 years after that, they hang out with Gandhi or... No, they, they, they weren't activists, but they were speaking their truths with their medium. And they were present. And they you can't get away from it. I, I, even Brian Gumbel was talking to Charlie Rose about how uh, fluency doesn't change the fact that my skin is different from yours and that my son's been stopped yes. because of his skin color. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that is the, that's the incredible thing. And looking back at gangster rap as, as it was looked at, even like you were describing Christina, um, as a negative influence. I, I love the term when they used in the film early on, reality raps, like their mo- the new thing that NW brought out was reality raps, right? Things talking about what you saw in your neighborhoods, talking about the violence, talking about the alcohol and the drugs, you know, um, Jay Z has a has a line from a from a song where it's like all all Jay Z raps is uh, guns, money, and hoes. I'm from the hood, stupid. What kind of facts are those, right? Like that's the thing about gangster rap is that it, it's artists talking about their environment. Yeah, sh- sure, they were embellishing. I mean, artists embellish, but they were also talking about their lives. They were doing these reality raps, and it turned... Because hip-hop, uh, early rap, was party music, right? It was, yeah, um, it was Grandmaster Flash, and then it turned into the reality stuff. And because it came in through gang-related sort of neighborhoods, it became called, it started getting called gangster rap and also the bravado and, and the, the machismo of, of all the the of the of the MCs was you know you know, they enjoyed the gangster idea when um, you know there's all back in the day there all, all the hip hop conversations were about who who had actual street cred and who did it like they that that's when street the the term street cred became was defined Right which was well, and, see
2: there's also a bunch there's different schools though let's be clear, let's look in context of the nineties you you had there were there was the the de la soul school too, mm-hmm. so there were the poets that stuck to really dealing with this yeah and then tribe, there was tribe I wanna
1: say,
2: exactly then there was a sensational in a weird way, I feel that had they had better PR machine, better marketing machine, they probably could have developed that. Had they known Al Sharpton, this could have, but that wasn't their game. Their game was to, to, you know, to make it big, but they did definitely had something important to say. But the question is, what was more important, becoming famous or having something important to say? I think the film tries to show they balanced it. In reality, what I saw was it seemed like they wanted fame and booty more than anything if this if, if this film is true there is there's some symbolism that I think I missed because it wasn't well represented in whoever their 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 team you know yeah. but it isn't to say that oh they were doing gangster rap and that's all black no there were blacks that were putting out beautiful messages yeah. in the 90s too so you know
1: i'm not trying to discredit niggers. no but it's this not, uh, so with the attitude think- but I agree with you. I'm thinking that we should kind of all hold hands and remember PM Dawn and Saint Peter.
2: Okay. Nineties brought a lot.
1: (laughs) Interesting point, right? Um, Because, like, I was thinking about this myself, and it's gonna throw back to what Alta and Christina were saying before, and that is sort of like, you know. Our our rap ref, you know reflects our life right. That's like rap as uh, I don't know cinema verite right, in the truth. And there's this like idea of you know ho- literally holding up a mic to the world to say our this poetry. is what's going on yep. in our community. Um yep. And and you know that creates once you in the whole idea like in terms of us uh, like. The critique of cinema verite is like, yes, it's supposed to be kind of unaltering. You're just kind of watching the events as they transpire in front of you. But as soon as you put the camera, you kind of change the events. Or, in fact, you create this separation. And um, at least with uh, O'Shea, Ice Cube, there was that separation. Because he was always observing. Always observing. right? Even, even like um, in the introduction... In the beginning of the film, him in the back of the bus, he's observing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that kind of takes us into sort of like you've got like the idea of like rap versus hip-hop, right? Rap being sort of like, um, well, this, this is us showing you what's going on. We're reporting the news in the neighborhood versus hip-hop, which is kind of, which was like envisioned as a sense of a cultural movement. You know, there are like more... Um, there's more involved in, in than just actually rapping. You, you have the idea of sort of like the B-Boy um, culture. You have the idea of, you know, graffiti and, and, and sort of like this idea of um, uplifting the, the community. And the thing is: yes, there's an awful lot to say about like what happened with NWA and what wasn't in the film and just sort of like some of like the reprehensible stuff that kind of went down but like and this just kind of occurred to me as i
0: mean there was a lot of their rise to to fame in the fun and games of this movie where they're in this studio and it looks like a really great artist salon like they're all in there like like giving feedback and making musical breakthroughs there wasn't any alcohol in there there wasn't any drugs in there there weren't any women there they were abusing in there so it was a little bit sanitized, but I guess, I mean,
1: and I didn't mean to interrupt. I, kind of- oh, I don't want to cut you off, Christina. You want to say something? No, I to feel look- like that's an interesting point, too, especially
2: in contrast to the whole Shig Knight thing. Like, they were about the music, what wherever it took them, whatever, po- you know,
3: yeah, truths needed first, to be spoken
2: at that moment. that
3: first album, I just felt like the way they recorded it, it felt... Uh, you know, like that whole endeavor, even though, you know, they had uh, Jerry Heller in it by the time I think they were doing that album, what it it felt so pure, you know, I mean, that ambition was there, but I felt like, you know, that ambition was there in the first scene with Easy, right? He's making the drug deal, and he is not backing down. You know, this guy is outnumbered, outgunned, out like in every other way, he is you know overwhelmed and he holds his ground. And with I think the drug dealer or em- Shug he, he took he, he stood yeah, his ground with Shug and yeah, the drug dealer. Yep. Yeah, I feel like that is his own, you know, that drive. Um, and I think that that's kind of why he feels he does uh take that uh role as the heart and soul of uh the film, the screenplay. Um Probably this group.
0: Yeah, I mean that, that to me was the bigger, biggest revelation of this biopic, which was how relevant, how easy, how how much of the engine of N.W. success was easy was a credit to him. And I didn't want that either. And and the and the fact that Dre and Cube, you know, produced this movie and and allowed for that in the narrative just means that they agree with it, you know. So, sure they it's, a, do confirm it. it's amazing. Um, would you guys mind if we did a little beat sheet stuff? Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> 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 we can just run through it. Opening and closing image. Do you guys remember what we opened on?
3: Yes. L.A. Police office. Uh, police helicopters, sirens, etc. Yes, the
0: ghetto bird sound. Right. Right. And then a bunch of clips of the war on drugs, but visually. Alka, the opening image. What's the first image we get?
3: Are those searchlights?
0: Uh, a little bit.
3: Okay, tell me, that's David.
2: A, remember the opening image. It, I had so it. The first image that sticks with me is Dre on the ground with Marvin Gaye under his head.
0: That's, his, I know that's, that's in that's the setup. That, that's his yeah. first image. The first image is...
2: I would love to just to start right there.
0: The first <laughs> image is a shot out of the trunk of a car. And Easy reaches in and he gets drugs. Yeah. And and oh, yeah. in the back of the car there are speakers and drugs. Right? right? Yeah. And it made me yeah. think of out of the trunk, you know, you know, is like
2: that's sad that they set the motif like that. That's something
0: that's, that's so hip hop is the, the trunk, you know, that's where you keep shit. That's where the, the that's where the music is, it's where the drugs are, it's where the guns are. It's where the you know, it's like and so that's the opening image Not and then E.D.E. E goes into the, into the, into the drug dealers or I guess the distributors' office.
2: I don't know if that's sensationalism or them just trying to. I, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't, don't want to. Yeah, that remember that whole first clip starts off like a bad cops episode. Yeah. Or a, an episode of The
0: Wire, which is unnecessary. Felt a, a lot world, like though. The Wire. I I thought this whole movie yeah. felt a lot like The Wire. I thought. This film, while it was a piece of, it was a feature film, felt a lot like an HBO movie at times. I felt like
2: it was a Sundance indie with all like the yeah. lens
0: flare. There was there was there are, and I want to give credit in a few moments that I noted where they took time to do real cinematic stuff, but for yes. the most part, it felt like uh, an HBO film or um, or a TV drama. The cinematically, it, it shot like. A TV drama like The Wire or something like that. Um, the closing image is what? Anyone remember the closing image?
3: Trey. Aftermath. Right. He says the word aftermath.
0: He walks out of yeah into of, the oh, waning what, what? afternoon Shug. light. Shug Knight's yes. office, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm starting a new the new thing." So it's like so it starts on easy and ends on Trey. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, we could read a lot into it. I don't think the the opening closing image bookends that much. It's hard with a biopic to do poetic bookending like that. I mean, I think you, they they could have done something. I wasn't. We'll talk about the ending when we get to the ending. But um, themes. But, go ahead. Good.
3: But you know, this is actually a three-headed protagonist. It is not just easy story. Okay. No, it's multi plot. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not actually. You know, it has the same momentum, which is why I think it's like three headed rather than, uh, you know, multi character, multi plot. Because these, th- there is one plot, you know, and there is this NWA plot, which k- seems to be like carried by Easy, but it's actually carried by all of them.
0: No, the, the the plot, and we can talk about what we think that is, but I think. I mean, the plot is the the group and the the yes, the yes. the success, failure, and success of the group again. Um, I don't, I don't know. If
2: well, I feel like you can't put it that simple. It's the it's the it's the birth of this group in context of their lives within this nation. Because if, if you took out any of the racial injustice, then they would have just been gangster. If They were like my bitches and my hoes and my yachts. Then this wouldn't have been worth worth a grain of salt. So it contextually it's very important. And I'm not again I'm not beating a dead horse, but it's it's the three. I, I agree with her. It's a three headed protagonist, but it's also it, it's three stories. Because God's honest truth, I did not know half of this rollout. Only people that were really dedicated to them knew the rollout of this group and how they split yeah. off, and which I did not know. And also too, it hasn't been brought up yet, and it just occurred to me. I'm from Michigan, I'm from Detroit, and we had New Dance, new, new Dance Party, and then you had Soul Train in Chicago, and then when I came to New York, black music was totally different. So I feel like, too, they also started a representation of Compton, because yeah. every other hood, yes. whether it was Philly, whether it was Detroit, had their Black Lives Matter and their musical representation. I feel like this is them showing you this was the jumping off for our
0: hood. Which Absolutely. is very important. They, ha- they have a they have an executive at one of their shows saying, "Compton, no, it can't be Compton. It doesn't matter if the music is good. The location could could never be a big deal." Yeah. Um,
2: yeah.
3: And yeah. W- I and even they a, put it
2: on the map.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I even had the thought, you know, going into this that that uh, the struggle. And um, the forces that are kind of trying to like keep them down. I felt like that was also the B story, you know, because um, like Jerry Heller kind of carries that through as well. But I I agree. It's it's uh, it's very present in in what this whole narrative is.
0: This is a hus- this is a biopic, so it's historical. So there's a lot of different chapters, but I think the the group and their musical as- ascendance and then decadence and then po- possible reascendance is the spine. But all the all the history happens around them. Does did anybody have a a theme stated? That's always hard. I think I have one. But Alka, did you write down a theme stated?
3: I feel like. The struggle is real, is really, but I don't, I don't remember, or, you know, I I don't remember where I'm getting this, but.
0: Yeah. I had, I had it, and I wrote it down when I was in the theater. Dre's mom, when, in the beginning, he, he misses a, he, he misses a job interview, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I do get paid, I rap. And she says, no, your buddy owns that company. She's like, I don't care what you do doesn't matter what you do as long as you own the company she says oh, that yeah. early on that was a good one and that, that awesome. and that's one of those like little lines that throughout this film Mantra. all all of the all of the problems that everybody comes to are because they they are not owner of their own business right because easy isn't in control or their
3: intellectual property
2: right yeah heller's
0: sure. in control should yeah. in control
3: yeah i could totally get behind that yep
0: and, and not until dre mm-hmm. and aftermath and you know you know he owns his own company is he fully in control so yeah the setup yeah this, i agree the setup yes. is i'll run through it real quick and maybe we can move on to some funny games uh, the setup is we get the record Turntables and Funk with Dre. Dre is like a dreamer and he's musical. We get Easy e is a drug dealer. He's got like steel in his veins. He's tough. And Cube is a good student. That was interesting to me. Like he's a good student and he's writing. Um, and he's part of he's the... A student. Mm-hmm. He's a student.
2: I don't know that it said he was a good student. It just said he was in a white neighborhood.
0: I don't, he like, went to school! He was a student.
2: <laughs> I mean, he went so to wait, school. Wait, does that make him like, oh, now the token kid went to school, so they're good student? I feel like it's safer just to say he's a student. <laughs> he was he a was student. He was in academia, and he, he broke, and it wasn't a thug. This us non-thug.
0: I have a special place in my heart for writers, so he was writing on, on the bus, so that uh, uh, um Fair enough. Then uh Dray moves out Easy E continues to sell drugs the Bloods raid Cube's school bus that was a really interesting set piece huh oh
1: yeah that was
0: yeah that was saying gangs in LA are real you know that that that, that I mean there there's no way that you can get a feeling for that Real quick in a movie like this, they're setting it up. But that was a really great set piece to do it. You can take an entire film, all those '90s films, like Boys in the Hood or um, or uh, Juice or now the Juice is East Coast. But no, what's the other one? What's the other LA uh, film about? South Central. South Central. I'm thinking of. Um,
2: I think was... No. Yeah, I mean Menace society well, the thing. Menace I feel the like I mean society, society.
0: Oh, the bu- like how do, how do you establish I feel like the- that world really no, quickly that scene I'm saying all I'm saying not, is- it's
2: not about establishing the world it's keep it's I felt like it was keeping things in check the bus scene the parent scene even the hotel room which almost seemed like it was fun but it kept you in check with, they were thugs, or this is the real environment. So just when you started thinking it's this glorified pic about these wonderful rappers, you saw reality with the bus. Just when you thought, well, he's just a kid walking home, you saw real, like, the, the shakedown with the police. Just when you thought, oh, it's another groupies in a hotel scene, they pulled out guns. They sh- they, I felt like they kept you grounded in the reality of how their lives, to some extent. I felt that way. Danger
0: was always present.
1: <clears throat>
0: yep. Yeah. I thought it was fascinating that Dre works at a club, and this is all part of the setup. He works at a club where the guy is all about R&B and sort of disco stuff, and he's like, don't play that rap stuff.
2: Wait, stop. It's 90s. It's not disco. That's, that's the end of... That's it's Prince. 80s. It's Who 80s. Who did not see Prince and the Morris Day? That's the end of the 80s, but I'm saying... Right, the hottest thing was Prince. You needed a guy in a flashy jacket, moaning with a Jerry curl. Let's put so it in what, context. So what? What,
0: what <laughs> genre of music is that? Is Prince?
2: That's it was '80s though. You know, it's not just it's it, it's Prince. Whatever it's you R&B, call that. R&B disco. Well, I mean, it's, it like, Day. Day. That was
3: 1984. Yeah
0: so what is that That's what like is that height stuff height he, of that. all he said was he wanted he wanted people he thinking about uh, about sex no, not violence pussies
2: Pussy. yeah exactly. yeah yeah he's like i want both <laughs> and that was total reference to prince like because he oh, had okay. 1999 it was everything you saw the jerry curls all the jackets they had to wear oh he looked like prince you're prince. right
0: and he was wearing he made, they made, that, they made that joke oh you're gonna take orders from a guy in high heels right He's weird. <laughs> oh, yes,
2: exactly.
0: Hey, can we just, so, before, I mean, before this podcast is over, there was great comedy writing in this film. There were so many good, like, one-liners. Just, there are so many, and, and I complain about this on Fantastic Four and all these other movies with much bigger budgets that never took the time.
2: Fantastic Four was a good movie, by the way.
0: Anyway. You like, yeah, uh-huh. But, um... I complain about these big budget movies, whatever, Christina. We'll talk. Yeah, you know, see previous podcasts for that argument. Um, but so many huge budget movies that never put take the time to write the comedy in, and this movie did. Yep. There were some great high level jokes in this, <laughs> like, oh, you get to take orders from a guy in high heels, and he looked just like Prince. That's a great reference, Christina. Um, but for me, it was it was a really interesting moment. In, in, in a scene, to be able to show music was transitioning from the print stuff to rap. Like, they, because, you know, the, the owner of the club said for our community, this is, we don't want to hear that stuff. And then Dre takes a chance, Cube gets on the mic, and the, the transition begins.
2: You know, it it is true, like, the... They were a start of, of course, gangster rap of that new genre because they were looking for something. let 'Cause let's let's just break it out even bigger. You had Prince, you had the the song Let Me Love You Down, um oh Sheila. everything was Jerry Curl mm-hmm. and Sequence. That was a black versioning of Reagan. Like our our answer to Valley Girls was Jerry Curl and Sequence and a lot of moaning and, <laughs> and a long so this was like an answer, like a new this is a new thing. The God, God's honest, and I like the fact that too, which I didn't know, and I don't know how truthful it is that. Like Dre, kind of, he was just good, so he could even do the Oshilas if he had to. But like you and got he, to see, he his took dream his built.
0: melodies from there. Dre took all of his melodies from that music, from the '70s stuff, like the Al Green stuff, and that's That's one like
2: of, '70s. Is, is, it so what, I mean,
0: is it '60s? Is it '60s?
2: No, it is no. You're right. It is '70s, but like I'm saying, what he was—it's like when you're when you when you sling a burger, but you have dreams of making filet mignon. <laughs> he was stuck in, 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 the, in the Jerry Curl sequence. Sure. Even though and his 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 background was Al Green, Al Green, Marvin Gaye. So it's just very clear about how we break this down. What he wanted to do was old school R&B. What he was stuck in was Jerry Curl, and what he did was NWA.
0: You know. Amazing, that's that's the musical breakdown right there, and the catalyst is Cube and Dre rapping at Do2s, and um, Easy E and MC Ren are there, and Cube or uh, Dre asks Easy to put money into the music. There's the beginning of of art meets commerce. Boom! As soon as you ask somebody to put money in, guess who's in charge? Well,
2: our has a vocal. Vocal part to it. Uh, I, I kind of again back re- referencing the laughing. I had. I really enjoyed when Easy stepped to the mic the first time. Yeah. that yeah. was great. And I think
3: that is the catalyst because then they become NWA. You know the money, the studio time. They were gonna put those other dudes in there. No,
0: right? going, going into the studios breaking mm-hmm. it too right it's yeah. isn't it it's where the, the journey when, begins
3: yeah but when he starts and it's so terrible i that was a just that was great but um i think he that, like
0: that ain't it, that ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> and and Easy's Easy's the the biggest gangster of all of them and they're like making fun of him it's great
2: yeah but there was a nuance there and i get what she said like she i think Unless you and I are a little, like, there was a nuance. There was kind of um, a, a, a timidness that there was something sweet in that moment, something funny in that moment. And I, the girls are right right now. That's the cohesion of when NWA really became NWA.
0: Yes. I Just was- like
2: the, 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 the burgers and fries of the moment fuck the police became
0: fuck the police. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wanted to stop. There is a bit of debate after the catalyst. Because right after Dutos and they ask Easy E to put money in, there's a fight in the parking lot. And Dre beats the beats up some kid who's stepping to his brother, right? And oh, yeah, then yeah. the that's cops come the, and this is the second time That's the foreshadowing of, right. of of the police brutality though, right? This is the second time. is this before uh, Cube got roughed up? This might no, be the after. first one. It okay. So this is yeah. the second one. Okay. And I and I thought, well which was really subtle. Was important when the cops show up. Even the guy that Dre beat the crap out of. When the cops show up, they ask him what happened. He's like, nothing. Nothing I happened yeah. because I because of course they don't yep. speak. Nobody speaks to the cops. It doesn't matter. And that is the relationship the black community has with the police at this time. And that and that without without over ha- hammering us over the head with it. that's just that to me that was a nice subtle way of explaining that and yeah. that was that was a there was a moment of debate before we get into the studio um, I mean
2: again can we just give credit to the writers and the director yeah. that there were a lot of moments that and most hollywood picks would be sensationalized would be like wow look at how they did especially now when it's time to cash in on this that they really took, took great care to make it nuanced to put it out there, but it wasn't like in your face. It wasn't, Thank you. it was not Don King.
0: Thank you filmmakers for not like oh, hitting us over the head with <clears throat> the issues, right? right? By weaving them in. Breaking it two, easy. It we- makes
2: them more important that way. It makes it less, less of an opera bofa when you actually state it very clearly. The The messaging, even in the, the, the way the dialogue was written is, is very nuanced. And it isn't like it. I mean so the fish, fish tank shoes, it wasn't an i'm going to get you sucker," and there was <laughs> <full> <laughs> that could have that and we could've just been shaking our damn heads right now, but we weren't, and we we're respecting for all of the things we don't like or the feminist things I don 't like. I respect a lot of the content of this film, the way it was delivered
0: they they, they break into they start they uh, Easy invest the money. They get a bunch of talent. The talent walks out because the talent can't identify with the hardcore lyrics, right? And they they have a small conversation <laughs> where they say, "Easy, why don't you get in?" And he's like, "I don't. I'm not getting in there." He's like, "I don't know anything about this," and, and he's like, "You guys don't either." He's like, "Do you you got a six four? And he's like, "I don't own a car." Like so, <laughs> there's like this hilarious like. Business about yeah, they're writing. They're writing sort of more macho than they are. But that was part of again what what Keith was talking about about this being a couple of young men, just young boys trying to trying to How do something great. How old were they when
2: they jumped off? How yeah. old were they?
1: Let's find
3: out. Were they teenagers?
0: I, mean, could, I feel like they couldn't have been. I think Dre any was more older. Than in the early. 20s. I mean,
3: Ice Cube was in high school, right? Yeah. I uh, see. Even in my twenties, I did stupid things.
2: I, it, much less teen. Yeah, anything under thirty was pretty much the possibility of being stupid.
0: Yeah. Um. So, they get the first single. Yeah. The boys in the hood. Um, yeah. Which I didn't know. Which actually is amazing that the film later is called that, and Cube is in it. Which is amazing. I didn't know that as part of history. Again,
2: they they did a great great, great job of weaving things I didn't know. Yeah. I okay, here's I'm an idiot. I didn't know. It's was like, oh, Public Enemy. That's another one of those. I didn't really connect that it was due to the breakoff. I knew it had ice t- ice cube, but it was still that idea that how many like rock bands like splint, splinter off and they go and do two or three bands. I thought it was just as simple as this. I didn't know all of the history behind why they splintered at wow. all
0: yeah and so I couldn't I couldn't believe that NW only had two albums I remember only having listened to them but I just assumed they had more but no they just splintered so quick Um, let's see we're moving forward into the fun and games the fun and games the promise of the premise of this movie is a group getting famous and that happens fairly easily I mentioned this earlier it seems kind of low stakes it's it's not very hard for them to succeed um jerry heller gets introduced Jamadi uh takes the meeting with eze um i feel like
2: wasn't i feel like the fun and games was the whole on the road
0: yeah, and the buses, yeah, yeah it and gets the hotels to that,
2: and the different hotels because well, they get first, kicked out of that First, hotel? they get
0: first they get they gotta get they gotta have their hits, So then, Cube does Dope Man. That's a hit. After Boys in the Hood, um, Suge Knight drops in in the middle, and they're like, "Oh, Suge, you're uh, you're doing um, bodyguarding? Oh, interesting." Yeah. They sign with Priority Records. They get in the recording studio again. There are a lot of recording studio set pieces, which is the promise of the premise for this movie. And let's see
3: that FBI letter, and what happens in Detroit is like the you know where that okay. game so the like f- peak
0: right the fuck the police the uh, yeah. set piece is where things the start censorship. to really escalate. Yeah, yeah, yeah where
3: mm-hmm. that police like they just they, you know. Go all, they knew they were gonna take him down, though.
2: They yeah. were so
0: prepped for that. Right. Totally. They have a small montage of the national. After fuck the police takes off, there's a small not, m- montage with like Tom Brokaw talking about the national conversation about gangster rap. Oh, and one great. Okay, one great on the road. Dude, once I know what
2: you're gonna say. Yeah, I
0: on the tour, gonna... right? On tour, <laughs> we get. Let me just call it. The uh, Felicia sequence. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 <Empire, laughs>
2: shout out to Empire, shout out to Friday. Shout out
0: to Friday. <laughs> oh my God! And Cube himself. I mean, that's that was brilliant. That was, I mean, that is. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the Felicia thing is from Next Friday, but it's, is it for
2: Next or Original?
0: I, yeah. No, Friday. Is it from Friday? Friday, is it Friday? Right? Yeah. It's it is from, from regular Friday. Friday. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bye Felicia. <laughs> and, and
2: just the fact I mean, that context that I can't
0: It was can't. It was beautifully done because it's a scene that I'm sure happened on the road so many times. And and just to decide, I'm sure it wasn't Felicia like per se. Or maybe it was, maybe they put Felicia they in the ice cube. It
2: doesn't even matter, it was perfect.
0: <laughs> it was it was perfect. Right? Cube wrote Friday. And F. Gary Gray directed Friday, and that scene from Friday with Felicia <laughs> is now famous. It's like a meme on the internet. And they recreated it on the road for Straight out Outta Compton. So, well, uh,
2: too, it's coming out of Empire because uh, Cookie referenced Friday in Empire this past oh, season. Oh, she
0: did. She did. Oh,
2: with the, the, the mistress. Cookie's uh, ex-husband has a mistress or... Assumed a fiance when she doesn't like her the other her nemesis she's like bye Felicia bye
3: Felicia
2: I can't I can't and yeah it might not have been true to case it might have not have rolled out exactly like that. But you could tell he was just like, there's this one really annoying hoe. I'm going to prefer this movie called Next Friday. And like they were like, I don't care how you say it, but I want you to make sure she's annoying. And I want her outside of the hotel room at the end of this
0: scene. I can't. I love it. It was. And, you I'm know, it, that's, that's great promise of the premise conflict for uh, a, a group on the road. Boyfriend but shows tell me up, they didn't
2: bring it back in when the guns came out. Like they, yes. they, they yes. Expected to say it's not. It, like they brought it back to reality of them kind of, and it, le- it was led by know
0: assault weapons. The first one
2: pulled out a gun. Of course, yeah, you
0: got like a big machine gun and shit. Um, in the almost so in they this, they
2: did ground it in so. the same
0: scene. Ice Cube is playing Domino, and he goes Domino. It was like twenty, which is like a, a reference to Boys in the. Um. So they were doing but a bunch of
2: in the Hoods. dominoes. dominoes dominoes, spade, gin uh, rummy. Those are like those are the games that your mom, at least for me, as a little black girl, my the adults played spades, euchre, dominoes, gin rummy. Those are the games. So like any kid that has any black kid that has parents that had car games, car games or dominoes. You kind of that's kind of a staple, you know. At least for me, I, I can't. Keith, I don't
0: know if Keith. You, Keith, Keith, didn't you, you play have- Dungeons and Dragons?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> that,
1: ain't that gin rummy. And God, there, God. there was no gin rummy. I, I I had to be like I was introduced to spades in college, and I didn't even really pay attention. Like you know, oh, Christina talked on. about her household being sort of like, you know, Christian. My my household was Chinese. Have spade party. My household was oh. Guyanese. There was there was no in There was like no gangster rap happening in my house. There was no cursing happening oh. in my house. My mother referred to oh. like you know fuck as the American f word. So yeah, and there was no car. Park.
2: I love that. You didn't have Friday car parties where the kids. This is how it went. And anyone anyone that listens to this can totally relate. So my mother <laughs> cooked a big pot of spaghetti. And then all the grown-ups would come with their kids, and like about five kids I barely knew all got a bowl of spaghetti, got sent up to my bedroom to play games and play with my toys for two hours, while all the parents were around the card table playing spades.
1: That was a Friday night. Uh, for us, it was like Curry and my mom in the living room with like her friends listening to Shirley Jackson. Wearing household. All right.
0: For me, it was Stouffer's pizza, microwave oven, and because <laughs> my mother's Irish no, Catholic. No, i talking about the parents. And then uh, <laughs> at my dad's house, he's he's Egyptian, so like he would just make assimilated American Jewish food and Greek food. Just just ch- chiming in. Yeah. Uh, this up. <laughs> right. I'll call, I'll call, what, what was it in your house?
1: What
3: was Friday night like? In my house, it was Dukes and yeah. Hazard's babies.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh. no. It
3: was, it was, I, I mean, my older sister was the one who was um, responsible and it was like Dukes of Hazard and whatever else crazy stuff was playing. It was like TV and pizza. Yeah. Pizza. It was rough.
1: Yeah, we all had it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dun, dun,
0: dun. But, but in my house, we okay, we, so wa- at- we 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 wa- we watched we watched all the black stars in my house. We watched Cosby. We watched Martin. We watched that was fresh 90s, Print. Was We 90s, watched I fresh guess. Fresh Prince, of course. That was 90s too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so. guess. So, That's
2: mi- a good point. To actually, like, let's cont- let's let's do contextualize the '90s. Mm-hmm. Like, we started to talk about the music being like your, your where were the sequence coming from, and the Jerry curls that was coming from Prince, that was coming from. Uh, I can only think of the songs. Let me love you down, oh Sheila. There was that was that whole movement. The debarges were kind of teetering out. We're talking about the late '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so, the, but this movie, jackets are
0: all over the map. This movie doesn't go into the '90s that uh, far. It stops, and that was actually something that I was, I was, I was wishing we were going to get. You know, they only touch barely musically on Deep Cover with Snoop Dogg. They only touch, Ain't nothing but a G thing barely. Okay, those songs were two pop. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. They, Tupac didn't, we didn't even get a Tupac. So there's California Love, the beat for California Into Love.
2: California.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I wish it, that, you know, I guess this, this, when, you're, when you're doing a biopic, when you're writing the screenplay for a biopic, the one big question is always scope, right? It's always how much do you include? And the best advice I've heard on, on writing a biopic is you've got to figure out who your subjects are, and then you have to figure out where their triumph is, and work backwards from there, because the triumph is your third act. So we couldn't get into the '90s. We couldn't get into the chronic. We couldn't. What about Easy E had some hits too when he was solo. Um, Did he? Yeah, he had one or two small hits. Real motherfucking G's was a hit. Um, he he had all those hits with Bone Thugs and Harmony. He produced Bone Thugs. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but they didn't get into that stuff because they, as probably was appropriate, they stuck with NWA because it's you know I would love to get into where did Snoop come from? It seemed like Snoop just walked into the the, 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 the recording <laughs> studio. The
1: yeah. Joint. Yeah. Where? Where yeah, was exactly. his was joint? Because you, you know you know he, he had, had a joint Russian.
0: when he walked in. You know he had some weed when he walked in. And <laughs> so I think there was an inaccuracy in this film. Where was Snoop Dogg's weed? <laughs> <clears throat> so wh- I think the midpoint for this film, guys, was the tour, the end of the tour. Does that work for you guys? Nope. What did you have?
3: I think it is that Godfather scene with Jerry. When Cube won't sign the contract. Uh, Jerry's holding out the check. Yes. Pushing forward the contract. And that is the midpoint. That is the most powerful scene in this film. And that is smack where things start to go down.
2: And because he needs it. I totally agree.
0: I stand corrected. Yeah. That is the moment right before they get off the bus to end the tour. And you're right. It has the most to do with the A story of this film, which is the, the band, the group staying together and not. Absolutely.
1: Great.
0: Um, and from there, our bad guys close in, begin, we get, Suge Knight is now repping talent, and they're like, oh, wow. Ice Cube wants, Ice Cube's leaving the group, he's gone solo. Um, MC Ren takes over the writing, uh, for Cube. Because Ice Cube plays first. Which is interesting. Um, MC Ren is like, very absent in this film. Um, yeah, but I guess it wasn't about him. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: it was still about the trio, no matter who yeah. stepped in. It was still yeah. about the trio, right? Yeah, Back- yeah. So they don't talk about Ren's backstory at all.
3: No, they don't. They don't delve
2: up. into his exactly
3: um, or
1: Yella. He, he's Ren.
3: yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. Those guys are. I mean, you know, every time one of them said anything, I was like, oh, there he is. You know, oh,
0: there's that guy. (laughs) There was another original member of N.W.A. Arabian (laughs) Prince. I think he was the guy on the left. Arabian Prince. I don't know, but he was barely in this. Um,
3: I didn't even know he was there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think
2: it's a smart choice too, because if you look at the group, it's it was more than four. It was like six or seven guys in that group. So you had to make a point to say who's the most important to actually start telling the story with.
0: No, and that's no, that's start good.
2: Oh, and Rand liked liked uh, chicken and waffles. Like, is it really important to drive the story? It's
0: so, and it's such an important thing in screenwriting. How many name characters you have in your story? <laughs> how many characters can we follow? It's only, you know. In a feature film, it's not a novel. We ha- we can only follow like a core cast, five to six people. So,
3: tell that to Robert Altman.
0: Right. Well, that's a different type, <laughs> that's, a, that's a different type of Boy, filmmaking. Dang. That, that's a kind of filmmaking where you just deluge, you're just deluged with emotional experience well. and you just take it in and you don't look for the narrative, you just hope something happens. Um, no, there- you make, I mean, no, I mean, Alka, okay, you make a really good point. I mean, that's a different kind of ensemble Yeah, but filmmaking.
3: that's a different movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so then we get into the, the diss albums, the diss tracks, where, where they start rivaling. And I think it was really great because Jerry, Heller gets really pissed when they they write about him when Q writes about him in a song.
1: Yeah. Right. And easy right. and easy right. easy's oh, like, whatever, the,
0: man. It's just
1: battle. Smack, yeah.
0: He said it's just battle rap. It's just what we do. And and Jerry Heller is like it's anti Semitic and he gets all
3: well, the A C L U clip,
0: yeah. Right, right. So, so
3: funny. That was so you know, like no but that was important. It was, but it was. I, I think the reason it was also. I mean, it, it. This guy. I mean, we can talk about Paul Giamatti for a second. I mean, mm-hmm. this was a good performance, right? I will be really pissed off if, like, come Oscars time, like he's the only one nominated. Which I had like this feeling, like I have this like
1: you know uh, cringing feeling. Right. But mm-hmm.
3: um, but I think this performance is also a standout. I mean, like he is over the top. But I really enjoyed
0: him. Well, he's a he's a he's an antihero in this, and I mean he's he's the good guy and he's the bad guy. He is, no, he, he is
3: the conflict with he, the white savior, right?
0: He, so he yes. is. Ooh. Like, oh, are you saying he's a metaphor for white yes, savior like, of African Americans in America? every other yep.
3: film where African Americans are portrayed as like you know coming from poverty the, and disenfranchised and etc. I mean. There is a white savior. There is Clint Eastwood to lead the way. There is Sean in this
0: Penn movie, to lead he's the also, way, you know? He's also the devil in this movie. He's the
3: anti-white
0: savior. I yes, love it that.
3: Is, that is like a pure rejection of the white man as savior. And I because that, he that's does. Why it's so he
0: does. You know, Heller recognizes the group and he gets them off their feet. But then he does withhold money and he definitely screws Cube. Oh, wow. the right? But then well, his. Wait,
2: before you even get there, wait, before you even get there, right when they get thrown to the ground when they're outside, he has that monumental speech like, You can't do this. It's not yeah. right. Yeah. Well, he's the voice It's coming savior. out of a white yeah. mouth. As, yeah.
3: Yes, yes. Totally. He is the white savior in but, that moment.
0: But he, he, is, he is the voice that's saying they're artists right? Which is...
2: Yeah, but the point is, it's ironic. It's a black movie about black guys, and it's the white guy that has to actually shed that ray of light. Or the the white guy is the first one allowed to shed that ray of light. You know?
3: And that's what's so complicated. That's so complicated. Uh, What's complicating that scene, excuse me, is the black cop. Right? So he, again, Uh it's like, that scene turns on, you know, every, like, uh, you know this this very strange axis right you're sympathizing with the black characters but the villain of that scene is the black cop oh
0: the villain is the is the police industrial but wait complex. can we
3: ta- can we
2: take a moment on that i i, I want to take a, minute, a moment on that black black cop and this is totally from an actor's perspective having done that for a long time and having bit roles you have to think if I was the, the black gentleman about to play that and say okay i'm going to be the black cop amongst white cops and I'm, I know the importance of the scene, but he had to probably reach for and really understand his motivation for having that standpoint, and that standpoint kind of like with Eric Gardner, the cops, white or black, that felt uncomfortable about how Eric Gardner was treated, but kept their mouth shut and you have to give I give credit to that that characterization and that in the context of being sur- a black man in uniform surrounded by a bunch of white guys, probably in a predominantly white precinct, he had to roll with it to some extent. And I think it was played well with his, like, you can honestly see that kind of too much authority, male thing, but also his kind of, I'm rolling with my my constituents, so I okay. can't show you any.
0: But so, they, but the, the, the black police officer... In the the racist police situation is always like it a, is so always is, is, is always a scapegoat. Just like, uh, you know, Freddie Gray, who's the kid the ki- the kid who died in the the back of a police truck. There the mm-hmm. the there is there was one African American officer in the police truck, and when his spinal cord was broken or whatever, this was like this past year, right? Heaven. And and they totally said, "Well, it couldn't be racial because there was an African American officer in, in hey, they the They totally car. show
2: the black officer in, in Sandra uh, with Sandra Bland. They mm-hmm. keep showing the footage where there's a black officer in the, the precinct. Yeah, as if it's that, not. That, it's that, not that, about that their being a, feeling. Right. It's, it's not, not it, black that, at all. that.
0: That. Yeah. It takes the racism out of it. No. It's the problem is it's systemic. It's systemic racism, right? It's a, a systemic. problem yeah. that, that puts, that says, you know, th- these young men who are dressed like this standing on the corner pr- are, are, have to be treated differently, or th- these people who are in custody have to be treated uh, differently. And so, yeah, having I think having the black cop in the scene in of Copton is helpful because it's it's one of it those was important. It's one of those yeah. things. It's always used as a scapegoat to to say uh, to to try to whitewash the situation and say, oh no, there's no racism here.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't want to take away from her comment. It, it, there is there is a white savior aspect to, to Paul's character completely and utterly.
0: Like, and I'll get to – I, I don't want to jump ahead too much. But there's some more uh, bad guys close in. Wait,
2: I'm going to forget this. I'm so sorry, but I'm going to forget this. And again, to Alka's point, to um, the, the Paul Giamatti character, 8 Mile, we know, we learned for people that don't know that there are such things as rap battles, and that's the way that whole thing should have normally played out, like, I'm going to diss you in my song, you're going to diss me back mm-hmm, and forth, mm-hmm, and right. even the, the, the kids involved didn't take it so heavy, but Paul Giamatti not knowing that world, yes, right, was the most... Yes. In,
0: enraged he, he was he was, uh, he was their patron Sex. he was their patron but he's still not of the world right and but but again to his uh, to, to Heller being this white savior and also the devil I think the most moving thing and the low point of the story for me is when he and Easy are having the conversation and Easy decides to leave him yeah. Right? That's, I think, the low point of the movie. And you're getting like a father son vibe there. And Heller's really hurt that Easy's leaving. Yeah. And and you get like this vibe that he was like a surrogate father to him and he saw him as a son because he was a good businessman and they made money together. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, these guys had, there, there was a relationship here. And this is basically, to me, the, 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 the biggest relationship I see in this movie.
3: Yeah, but you know, I think this is this is. I I kind of disagree with you, David. I kind of think like he was absolutely indignant. You know, like how could he do this? You know, how could Easy leave him? Like he's nothing without him. You know, like and he was kind of frantic about it. You know, in Giamatti's
0: performance, I heard hurt in his pain in his voice that he's leaving me.
3: I I I think that guy was so. You know, there were that character was built like so beautifully there was like there was the text and the subtext and i think you know cube read the subtext Dre read the subtext. yeah and easy i think you know like i i did see that father relationship but i also saw like this guy who uh i think he was so loyal you know that's also what struck me is that you know his loyalty was just misplaced so terribly
2: because they did play out uh, Shug's people were visiting him before he got dropped by Easy, mm-hmm. so he there there was risk in it for him as well. When
0: Shug's, that's true. Uh, the guy right, right. So he was like they, casing his house. It made it made Heller mm-hmm. slightly sympathetic. Like he he was risking it. You make a great point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, look at look at look at the screenwriters and F Gary Gray. Putting on all this nuanced character, you know, the back and forth between Heller as the devil and as the savior. I do, uh, for me, the low point, or before the low point, is uh, Easy's, Easy's, uh, fantastically, uh, his wife, who is all of a sudden is like a CPA, has superpowers, and is like, "Yeah, I know, you, I know you,
3: the business.
0: I know the business, and you've been losing Get into bed and money. Then later,
3: we're gonna look at
0: she's Scott. got a, She's got a joint in her mouth, but yeah. she she knows the numbers, and then they don't lie. And she's, but it's uh, not
3: urgent. It's nothing urgent. <laughs> <laughs> it can wait. Let's just you know cuddle,
0: right? And, and then, then so easy easy e leaves Jerry. And um, he sets out to reunite N.W.A. This, I think, is the break in the three.
2: Agreed. Wait, but back up. With, the, with Easy's wife, do, do we notice that for all the, the lack thereof of feminists, I feel like as, in the writing they're like, Oh, we need to include the women because at the same time, Ice Cube's girl comes with him when he breaks up the, the young gentleman's studio. And
0: then we mm-hmm. kind of like. And Dre have, meets his wife the at the party and, exactly, at the and party she won't and sleep with like, him right away.
2: Yeah, there, there's Please. a clip like we need to throw women in there. there that was that,
3: that clip of
2: all the girls coming in. <laughs> Completely.
3: I don't even what? remember that. What is that? Can you repeat they met, that? Dre, Dre meets his girl at
2: the party, and she's kind of like that really pretty right, good girl. Right, Everyone's booty's hanging out, and then they have a date, and then she's like, no, because I have a kid, and I know your lifestyle. Then uh, Cube's girl come, rolls up with him at the studio when he's smashing the whole studio up because you owe me money. You said you're not making oh, money, that was great. you great.
0: That was a great scene, actually. And
2: then yeah. we have the the bed with the pot, the CPI. So that, I feel like that was like a hold on, we've done all this, we haven't introduced any female characters, let's just do a one-off to say where all the wives are. And oh then let's God. get back to this. And all you the know,
3: way. one of those moments was, you know, going back to that rap battle, where um, I think Easy calls uh, Ice Cube Benedict Arnold, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. And
3: Ice Cube's wife is like, are they saying you're a traitor? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is the doubt. Because I wasn't sure that she, ad- she ad- had ad- education. She
2: knew who Benedict Arnaw was when I was little.
3: Like, are they saying you're a traitor?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what's interesting, guys, yeah. is um, I don't think this passes the Bechdel test. All they do is talk about the dudes
2: yeah I see it. the thing is but we would have totally <laughs> sat here and read them for filth so if we had, had had a scene if we had had a Goodbye Felicia scene like Empire oh. whereas one of the wives had a beat up a groupie then we would have called them trite for doing that scene
1: <laughs> you know so wait
2: a minute they are you standing
3: scenario. up are you standing up for the treatment of women in this film no no I'm saying
2: they, the way they nuanced which scene was that the way they nuanced how Easy e came to the mic if they had nuanced the women in and gave them, a, you know, don't, don't stick a joint in her hand when she's in the bed talking about numbers or yeah. don't have her stand by talking about, they did not, they did not nuance the women in. Or just say
3: something did. remotely intelligent. Intelligent. You know? Exactly. That's just, so the, yeah, the, the Bechdel just test is
0: you have to have two women who talk to each other. About I don't think there, and it, it has to be about something besides the men. <laughs> so and this I'll- is this is
2: when I reach for my phone in the movie theater. When Easy is like, yeah, yeah, I got a call. And he's like, you have AIDS. And then the wife standing next to him is pregnant and she runs out.
0: That was never like, resolved. Why
3: did we not build that? Why didn't
1: we We even never it heard about that.
3: She is not important, her body, her state. We never found out her exactly.
0: or the baby had That AIDS. was
2: a huge moment. I wanted 2 minutes on that or at yes. least give me a minute to explain what what the fallout from that was. Cuz so I sat there trying to Wikipedia his wife to say did her child have AIDS? Did she have that baby? You know, I wanted to, you know, I was mad.
3: Like yeah. Don't throw But the that, good news but... is, is that she was yep. listed as producer on this film. You know, was with, she? Uh, yeah, with Dre and Ice Cube, it's it's up there. Yep, they're taking care of her.
0: Mm. God bless him. I mean, he's the main yeah. character of this film. Hold on, guys, we're coming to that towards the end of the podcast, but I think he Easy E is the the central of all the three characters of Cube Dre. Easy E is, like, the most active protagonist. He's, like, I was so surprised how central he was in this movie. I thought it was going to be all Dre and Cube, and it wasn't. It was a lot about Easy
3: Yes. He was Icarus, who flew too close to the sun yeah. and uh, fell into the water. Yeah. That, that was who he was. And I think, um, you know, his, uh, his journey most reflects the journey of NWA, which is why it seems like a natural... Uh, center for the film.
0: The break in the three, like I was saying, I think is when Easy sets out to reunite NWA. Dre agrees to yeah. to, to, to to try something. Um, the the thing that really stuck with me as he started doing this, I didn't know that any of this happened. I assumed that they all just hated each other's guts, and I'm sure they when when he died they were sad, but. I had no idea that they were talking about getting back together, and somebody, I forget who it was, was it, if it was Cube, talking to his wife, uh, the concept of that, we left so many albums on the table, remember that line?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That they
0: could have done so much more together, which is one of those classic, you know, super group breakups, some of the musical, you know, geniuses break up, you think about what could have been, Right.
2: Wait, is it really the fact of him reuniting or is it really the fact of him being rock bottom? that's the break in the three. So I feel I, like by the time he's reuniting he's at rock bottom and he's grasping for straws and it all kind of really hits really quick like AIDS yeah. and, and his death. So I feel like before and, that, like when we're looking at his house and he's cutting weed Yeah and, and stuff is being taken away. Yeah. That's is where you realize that's before you know? leave. That's before he yeah.
0: leaves Jerry yeah i think when he
3: leaves jerry it's done like i think that is the break
0: yeah when he he calls it and the problem is that the third act is anticlimactic here because he he gets some people yellow ren and easy get back in the studio but he's Easy's sick dre says yeah we'll get together Cube is thinking about it um and then and then he's in the hospital right away so the third act Is a little anticlimactic, and and Uh, yeah, yeah. it goes quick. And I was I was even surprised at the end, like when, when um, you know, we have the death scene, with and then there's a bit about the outpouring, of of people. Yeah,
2: then it pulls too.
0: About easy. It start
2: literally goes docu film, like yeah, Yeah. this is the letter he wanted to write to you. I was like, whoa, this just. It didn't. It yeah. It was a mess. I'll tell you, you you
3: put and you know, I don't and I it just think went dialogue, too fast. yeah. And the dialogue was so bad in the third act. Everything was like on the yeah, nose.
0: They're just and trying to sew it up. To, yeah, and I it think and I think much. clean up like oh, Easy yeah. E's, you know, totally. image. You know, because he was not the nice guy. It know? was
3: totally whitewashed. This, but, I, yeah.
0: this idea of an outpouring of support. He was so cute
3: and he was oh, the
2: yeah, uh, gangster this, rapper, drug dealing person—I think I've ever seen portrayed.
3: And that guy was, he was a that person. guy. Just yeah, did a great, great job, uh, great performance. Whoever that guy, mm-hmm. Jason Mitchell. Yeah, I just liked
2: all three of them. I think Easy was the most likable character, the most. Uh, and I, I, I'm such an idiot. I came to it late. That it, that was Cube's son. But it made. I was like, God, he looks so much <laughs> like that. He's really great casting.
0: Brilliant casting. Know. No, but but even you know, just because it's your son doesn't mean you look like him, right? But you cute, know, cute son looks just yeah. like him. Looks just like him. He really does. He just, does. I was a- like, whoa. But so then we switch the and and we switch from. Easy, ease. I feel like third the, act like the, problem the last act third act,
2: they just kind of wrote out the last. And the, the, the third act didn't have development. It was just like, and this is what happened to him, and that's what happened to him. It wasn't a story as much as it was a Wikipedia excerpt. And, there's and then more. he had a
0: deal with Google. Boom. Yeah, and then Dre walking they in. Dre walking hung in. They picked up
3: the phone and they kind of smiled a secret smile of understanding. Yeah. And yeah, there was one beautiful moment though in the last act, and that is uh, when I think Easy's driving down the boulevard and he sees that billboard of Dre, and I think it's like the Chronic,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. oh
3: God! That again, you know, like when uh, this director gets like visual and and gets inside their heads, like visually. I think it, this film is so beautiful. It's like it's lyrical, but I think you know, then there's the dialogue. Which is just unforgivable, you know. In the third act, unforgivable. I, I wanna, write,
0: I wanna say that the the Every once in a while, F. Gary Gray takes his moment to show us some imagery, and it was very powerful. There's a great image of one, them beating Easy E in the recording studio when Shook Knight decides to beat yeah. him. They they like zoom out on um, slowly on the recording They're studio.
2: So Medium wide. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a
0: great image of uh, the. The rioters facing down the cops during the L.A. riots. Um, yeah. There's there, he, Gary, There's a great image of N.W.A. walking out of the funeral home with, yes, with, with Dre after his brother died. So he, he took some really great moments for cinema. The third act, yeah, it's. I, I think maybe they're hamstrung by reality. But I think also they're hamstrung by the scope of the biopic. They chose to end it there. Because for me it was anticlimactic, and in the there's all this great post credits footage of NWA, and then they drop all this information like Snoop Dogg becomes famous because of Dre, Eminem becomes famous because of Dre, Fifty Cent becomes famous because of Dre. It's
2: very Dre, Wikipedia. Dre Dre
0: sells beats, you know, for becomes the first uh, hip hop billionaire, you know, like so the third act didn't get a lot
1: done. Yeah, but I See there's just,
2: a way to play that, I feel.
1: Go ahead. Keith, what do you, what do you think? Well I mean that kind of harkens back all the way to you know my three ups and and a one down and I have to say Scott Tobias of NPR put it best, right? And his is pretty much is like, you know I would not want to look cynical or, or, or review this kind of cynically but the call you know, straight out of competent company an active brand extension or gouache attempt by hip-hop royalty to basically shape their cultural legacy is not far off mm.
0: yeah i mean there's the whole controversy about uh, dre uh beating women and he had this i think it was yesterday he actually had to apologize today, yeah. it was today, today he, in the New York he apologized Times, yep. uh for being you know um you know hitting women when he was a young man and he's been married for 10 years now he says and I don't want to be that man anymore. Yeah, he had to apologize. And I mean and we have already talked about the role of women in this film not being well portrayed. So yeah, there's definitely I mean, any it, any biopic is going to want to make its subjects look a little
1: uh especially better when you're producing they
0: used to it. Especially, <laughs> especially
2: <when laughs> <Yeah. when laughs> you're names on it. Yeah. But it's I pathetic, also heroic think that underdog, you know, yeah.
3: Going back to this ending, you know, I really wish they had ended it with uh, the promise of tomorrow and then us knowing, you know, outside the film, what happened already or, you know, with another damn title, that's fine. You know, I think that would have been better. It would have had more emotional punch. But to end it, you know, in this very kind of drawn out, like we spell everything out, but not particularly artfully, uh, this this way was just it it just really I think uh, it kind of undermined what came before
1: for
0: me and for me like I don't know the only emotional relationship in this movie I cared about was Jerry Heller and Eazy-E I didn't buy I didn't get that Keith I didn't get that five heartbeats brotherhood thing that they tried I'm sure it was there in real life
1: Oh, no, no, no! I just don't. i I don't think
0: they. I don't think life. they. I am
1: just thinking structurally.
0: But I was also. I was thinking about that moment too, and and I, there wasn't enough of the building of the brotherhood early on to have the breaking down of the brotherhood, be emotional for me. And and and. and See, and, I
2: might have cheated. No, go ahead. No, no, please. I, I want to say I might have cheated in the sense that the whole. Uh, go off of the, the AIDS, the whole AIDS issue, I might have stopped where he tries to reconcile and then gone straight to docu-footage of the AIDS, you know, just saying this could have happened, you know what I mean? I, I would have totally dropped my film at, at him saying, yeah, we should do it, and then maybe having someone um, in his group book studio time,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then fade to black, and then just shown straight footage of, you know, him, his because I but feel like playing out the narrative of AIDS was just it didn't didn't work this playing is... out the whole narrative. They didn't give it enough time. They didn't explain it out or talk about the ramifications of it. They just dropped it in as
1: a nugget, and I feel like that's not fair. At, actually, at, you know at what? I disagree, Christina. I, I actually like really it. They, they, yeah, and here's why: because at that time, and going back to like dis, like a uh, sort of faded memory. It was right around the time when you didn't know what this disease was, right? It, it was a complete mystery. It's something that it just kind of came out of the darkness and just engulfed people. And um, Easy e was actually one of the um, more... Was he a first rapper? No, one of one of first- right, folks who, who it came out that, like, you know, he passed from this mysterious disease, virus, AIDS. Yeah, I mean... It- it was, so it was like, it kind of... Where are went, we in so context
2: of like Magic Johnson and, R- and R- Rock Hudson? We had Rock Hudson No, no, this is the, it.
0: AIDS, is, it, AIDS is, this is, 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 at the time that E Z E died of it, AIDS is, it's no longer in the shadows. It's no longer just a disease for gay people. But there isn't a great, um, uh, the, the way we have a, a, a cocktail that, that basically turns it into a chronic disease today we didn't have that back then it was still a death sentence right although it was was longer term right
3: i mean he went from zero to end stage you know yeah
0: yeah and i think that's actually what happened though i think i remember it being in the news so quickly i was like wow um but in terms of where they ended it,
1: Christina? But
2: do you think it? Do you think it worked? Even if Keith going back to you with that, yeah. because it happened so quickly in the narrative. Do you think it fit actually trying to play that out in in the in the in the act versus alluding to it? Or I mean, I I still feel like it. Maybe it did happen quick. Really, why rushing it? Just if. It didn't fit for me rushing that, that end, and because it's so important. And we just had Dallas play, you know, the Dallas uh, the club help me out, guys. It's club, Dallas club.
0: Dallas McConaughey. yeah, yeah.
2: Oscars speech yeah.
3: ever.
0: <laughs> but so, totally. but Christina, we right, haven't. All, right, have, all
2: right, all right. We have, <laughs> felt like it was too rushed, far too rushed. Even if oh, it gosh. was, you know how some things we do have a story problem, problem Christina.
0: The problem is what I was talking about earlier about biopics is that you need to figure out who your subjects are and you need to figure out what their triumph is and work backwards. There is no triumph here if if it's not oh. easy trying to get the group back together. Right? If So if you get rid of, if you just stop as soon as he's sick, where's the triumph? I
3: mean, Ice Cube and Dre are living the triumph. It, it... Well, you
2: know? it's the whole bug. Maybe, yeah, maybe
0: they could have done it, but then we would have seen end. we yeah. would have seen more more of Ice Cube albums, more of the the chronic success, more of Eminem, Fifty Cent, Beats. We could have got into that, but yeah.
2: So here we go. We have a biopic where she dies, Selena. So they end it there, and then they do a montage of her the her, of her real concert footage. That's what I'm saying. If if, if we're gonna, if we're I starting would have with loved, a, we should have ended with a, and then,
0: you I know, I would have loved to see real concert footage at the yeah. end. We yeah. saw some interesting raw footage of their interviews and stuff. That was cool, mm-hmm. but I would love to end on a concert. You're right. That uh, um, they did the same thing with "What's Love Got to Do with It." They ended with um, actual t- with with Tina Turner on on stage performing, that okay. and that's yeah. amazing. That's how you got to end. A rock, especially biopic. when you have a
2: real death. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. that's how you should it's end it. It's kind up of up like
2: that, you know. The smoke, biopic. the smoke, the empty room, and then the footage. And then you can hit Yeah, totally. And then you
0: don't need uh, the the dramatic triumph. All we're do- you get a a scene which is a flack, flashback to their earlier success. They did the same yep. thing in, in The Doors. The final, the final triumph is after Jim Morrison's like dead or, or no no, after the group is broken up, but they kind of get back together. They do one more performance of Break On Through, and it's the finale. Yeah, go with the musical finale.
3: Yeah. yeah. Why didn't
0: we get that?
3: The music in the beginning. Can we talk about group. how thrilling that was? It was just like ah, so yes. exciting. Oh my god, those performances were good, and this is where it's like. You know, Ice Cube's kid, nepotism be damned. I mean, Jesus that Dude, guy great was. Dude, <laughs> oh, a great he was job. Did a great job. He was he was amazing. Good. What? amazing. Agreed. So we gotta greed.
0: we gotta we gotta um we gotta finish it. it up. We gotta wrap it up. So I want to give everybody uh last comments, last chance about the movie. Um and our, com- you know, things that have evolved since our conversation tonight on um, Straight out of Compton, would anyone like to go first?
3: Um, I'm going to go floor? first. And I'm going to say, uh, you know, when this film gets real, and I mean like, you know, you have this first half, which is about reality rap, which is thrilling and joyous and amazing and then there's a second half where it gets real where we really get into like a chronicle of what happened to these guys um I think it feels really like hollow and fake (laughs) you know there are two realities and one feels really real and immediate and it hits you in your gut and then there's the second reality which belongs to like Forrest Gump you know
0: Mm-hmm. so that's well but the, yeah. that, that second half would have worked better if we had built more um uh love for the characters we, if we had built more of that brotherhood in um the way we were talking about the five heartbeats or any sports movie it reminded me of a lot of like sports movies too like uh, sports dramas where they build the brotherhood and then the team breaks down and they've got to work to build it back up again
3: yeah interesting I see that.
0: But any other last thoughts, Alka? Positive? Yeah, I think
3: that's, I think that this is a really, I mean, I, I think this is a really important film. It feels really, um, you know, in, in context of our time and that time, it feels really important and intellectual and political. And, um, you know, it's a film that needs to be seen. Thumbs up.
1: Um I'm going to agree with Alta. I'm going to say that it it was um was a strong film. It as you you kind of laid out, it did meet the elements of a of, you know, a biopic. And you know, I mean, social commentary which is extremely relevant and important in this context, right? Um because if you I don't think I, I don't think like we would have the same the same type of film and the same type of resonance if we got like you know Luke produced uh, two live crew. Two live
0: crew, right? yeah, right? that's right. The biopic on on on, right? on, on
1: pop um, that pussy. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Oi, you, you, you know, oy, 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 scene, oy, oy. It, right, right. Our end scene would end scene would be like you know Luke on a, on the stage grinding on some you know, poorly dressed woman, like actually probably literally having sex to the tone of the Brown. <laughs> um, but here, that aside, you know, you had a really strong narrative. And that's what really worked for the story. Say what you will about, you know, sort of it kind of starting to unravel around the second act and the third act having some problems. Um, st- structurally, I'd have to say it was a strong film. And um, what? Wait, stop. Let me correct myself. It's a strong story, um, but in terms of the larger context of that story and what it means for the social context now, and what it represented for you know the social environment in the '80s is even more powerful. And you know, folks should see this film and talk about it. Christina.
2: Yeah, I think I'm I'm picking backing everything I've just heard, Alka and Keith. I think it's important contextually now, but even in its own right, I think it it holds merit with Selena, Coal Miner's Daughter, Ray, um, Walk the Line, in that it it tells you a truth, and and I, I think we want so badly to kind of put it up against you know, a pick on Martin Luther King or, or Malcolm X. But these were boys. These were artists. And I, I'm very pleased to say that I didn't know as much as, as I know now. I do believe there should have been a, a stronger feminist thread. Uh, just the women had their, their voice and they weren't kind of shut out. But I do understand that the story was about the three young men. And and their journey, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot more, and I do think it's important to see. And I think one thing we didn't clip on for all the funny funny um, comments, so far as uh, dialogue is, when they were talking about how, in my hometown, Michigan, they're they're uh, Detroit, they're trashing the the CDs and the music, and they're like, well, they bought it.
0: <laughs> great. <laughs> Another great one liner Somebody get yeah. one-liners. They can do whatever they want with the CDs. They bought them.
2: <laughs> and and it, it's it's true. It speaks to the fact that you know they 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 were a movement. They did something for their for their hood. They were they represented Compton. They put yeah. Compton on the map. Absolutely. And whether you like it or not, they're a part of that history. They're part of that neighborhood. That history and and much respect. That's. That's my take.
3: You know, and can I also draw a line from that moment with the, you know, uh, uh, running over the CDs and stuff to the, remember that Disco Sucks moment in uh, the late 70s? I think yeah. it happened in Chicago. It's like some baseball field where there was this uh, Disco Sucks thing where they like got all the albums and tapes and whatever. Um and they did the same thing. And you know like when you were looking at it then, it felt like it was about the music. But you know with the lens that of, you know, 30 years on, 40 years on or whatever, you look or in this case 20 years on, you look at it and you realize like that was about race. You know? Yeah. It's that completely
2: totally- I don't want to digress, but that was totally like the the burning of Ketcher and the Rye or Fahrenheit uh Two fifty one, four fifty one. Sorry, Ray Bradbury. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Ignorance is bliss. If we don't get it, let's just burn it. And now, how ignorant are we for that? And that, time? and that's
0: why gangster rap got the. It has a place. Got the the national attention because instead of uh, Prince, um, that's why in the early nineties gangster rap became the music of rebellion it took over from heavy metal in the 80s and even to in and it battled with alternative rock for to become the music of rebellion for young people of all color of, of the, you know they didn't you know hip hop did not succeed because uh, uh, financially because only african american community bought those albums it became the music of rebellion for everyone and it did that because it was demonized because it was demonized by the the media and I think we talked to spoke a lot tonight about the innards of that and that that came out in this film and I think that's where it succeeds at its best when it's really uh, talking about the chapters about fuck the police and the relationship to that these characters that these young black men had in their neighborhoods growing up with the police and with authority and so I you know there were some yeah I've mentioned some of the the things that I didn't like about the film that didn't work for me I thought that they were overall I was very impressed with the movie and F. Gary Gray brought it home on something that's extremely difficult to do: doing a biopic with three main characters. When I'm sure, I'm sure all three of them were giving him notes on the story. And yeah, I'm sure they 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 worked on their image a little bit. Um, but uh, I was really uh, impressed with this film, and I was surprised that I would be. I mean, compared to the stuff that's out. This is one of the most successful movies on a story level that I've seen all summer. It's absolutely like a phenomenon at the box office too. Um, So guys, this is the script produced by Jordan Rosengarden and David Negrin. You can email us, fan mail us, hate mail us, comments, questions, or proclamations to scriptfeed at gmail.com. Join our Facebook page or our google plus page by searching for nyc screenwriters collective you can also follow us on twitter at scriptfeed. if you live in new york city sign up for one of our script analysis workshops at meetup.com under nyc screenwriters collective or at screenwriterscollective.org please support the script podcast over at patreon.com
1: slash the script